This is West Virginia Public Broadcasting. I'm Teresa Wills. Appalachian writer Ron Rash's latest book, The Caretaker, is set in a small Appalachian town during the Korean War. Uh, I think sometimes we spend so much time filtering through technology that we don't get that much more dramatic sense of of coming face-to-face with each other, particularly in in very emotional moments. That story and more coming up this West Virginia Morning. Support for West Virginia Morning is proudly provided by Luke Frazier. A company owned by Governor Jim Justice owes an offshore investment firm millions, and it's seeking to collect payment. Curtis Tate has more. Caroling Investments, based in the British Virgin Islands, went to the U.S. District Court in the Western District of Virginia to seek repayment of more than $10 million plus interest from Bluestone Resources. Bluestone, based in Roanoke, Virginia, is one of the numerous companies listed on the disclosure form Justice Files annually to the West Virginia Ethics Commission and earlier this week appeared on his U.S. Senate candidate disclosure. According to a filing this week, the offshore investment firm asked the court to authorize U.S. Marshals to seize Bluestone property to settle the debt, including a helicopter believed to be stored at the Roanoke Regional Airport. The $10 million liability is not listed on Justice's Senate disclosure form. The governor owes other debts to states and the federal government. For West Virginia Public Broadcasting, I'm Curtis Tate in Charleston. The power of collaboration was evident at West Virginia International Jaeger Airport this week as three organizations joined forces for a doggone good cause. Caroline McGregor reports. More people are finding it harder to afford to keep their pets. Animal adoptions are reaching crisis levels across the country and state with millions of animals destined for euthanasia. Working with the Kanawha Charleston Humane Association, Swill Dog, a woman-owned distillery and cidery in Upper Trecht in Pendleton County, enlisted the help of Pilots to the Rescue, a non-profit that transports animals from overcrowded shelters to regions with more room for adoption. Their mission? To fly 16 dogs to the Cascades Humane Society in Jackson, Michigan, where they will be available for immediate adoption. If you need to do this work quickly, using a plane is a great way to go. And whenever you have puppies, senior dogs, sick animals, uh, or they just can't endure the stress of a drive. Swill Dog CEO Brooke Glover says their inspiration for the rescue mission comes from a border collie mix named Lucy Pickles. So Lucy's had a really tough go of it, and she's really been a motivation for our business and our mission. And for us, it's really about drawing attention to these amazing organizations that are really trying to help animals. So the goal is really to uh, get these animals adopted more so than just this flight that we're doing. We really want to draw attention to the organizations. Top dog pilot Michael Schneider started Pilots to the Rescue in 2015 after hearing about planes used to rescue animals. A self-confessed serial entrepreneur, he says it was the perfect way to combine his love of animals with flying. You know, when you're a pilot, after going on a couple tours with friends and some interesting restaurants, you want to do more with your pilot certificate that you worked so hard to, to get. The 16 dogs are carefully loaded into the snug compartment of Poor Force One, a small Piper 6XT airplane for the three-hour flight to Michigan. A few feet away sits CRW's canine bird chaser, Hercules, and Swill Dog's Lucy Pickles, who offer their support from the tarmac. 
It's a tight fit, but Snossage, a short-legged basset beagle mix rescued from recent floodwaters in Kanawha County, squeezed in. Pilots to the rescue is 100% donation-driven. This year alone, they've saved nearly 1,000 dogs from being euthanized. Schneider hopes that one day they will be able to buy a larger airplane for rescue missions like this. I mean, we are raising money to buy a bigger plane, but you'll be amazed how much we can fit in there, mainly because the crates are they're smaller. But for a short period of time, uh, they may be a little uncomfortable, but we are saving their lives today. That's the most important part. Shelters in West Virginia are faced with an increasing challenge of fewer dog adoptions, the higher cost of pet food and vet care at a time inflation is hitting the country are thought to be contributing factors. Sarah Tully, Director of Community Engagement for the Kanawha Charleston Humane Association, says Michigan offers one of the highest rates of adoption. So all credit goes to Swill Dog Distillery. They reached out to us at Kanawha Charleston Humane Association and they said, we have this crazy idea. We want to sponsor a flight if you have dogs that you want to send. And we've never done anything like this before. We've received animals from other rescues, but we've never sent ours, especially not on a flight. So this was totally new to us and Pilots to the Rescue, Swill Dog Distillery, everybody has been so helpful, so supportive in helping these dogs. So it's been an incredible journey. It's been a lot of work from all of us, but it's been so cool to see this come through and figuring out all the logistics to make this happen for, for these animals. It's been so cool. Tolly says no kill shelters like theirs are committed to saving the lives of as many animals as possible through adoption, neutering and spaying. But when space is limited, rescue missions like this are invaluable. Everybody has been so helpful, so supportive in helping these dogs. So it's been an incredible journey. It's been a lot of work from all of us, but it's been so cool to see this come through and figuring out all the logistics to make this happen for these animals. It's been so cool. For West Virginia Public Broadcasting, I'm Caroline McGregor in Charleston. This is West Virginia Morning. I'm Teresa Wills. It's 7.50. Areas of fog this morning with patchy drizzle in the north, becoming partly to mostly sunny today, highs in the 70s. Partly cloudy tonight with lows in the 50s, mostly sunny tomorrow with highs in the 70s. Support for the weather forecast is provided by the attorneys at Torres Save Law, representing firefighters, police officers, and West Virginia families. Information at TorresSaveAlaw.com. Appalachian writer Ron Rash has written more than 20 books, including several that have appeared on the New York Times bestseller list. His latest is called The Caretaker, set in a small Appalachian town during the Korean War. Inside Appalachia's Bill Lynch spoke with Rash about the book Appalachia and Getting Older. You've written quite a bit about place, about Mm. Appalachia, but Time is interesting. What drew you to the early 1950s and post-World War II, pre-Elvis, you know, the Korean War, that particular time? Well, several things. I I wanted actually one, which I became more conscious of as I got deeper in the book, was that with uh, the way technology is today, that was one of the last times when almost all human action was uh, 
face to face. And I think that in a way, uh, because of, you know, even what we're doing right now, but that's, I thought that's really interesting because uh, I think sometimes, and I do this too, we spend so much time kind of filtering through technology that we don't get that much more dramatic sense of, of coming face to face with each other, particularly in, in very emotional moments. And so certainly, uh, 1951 was at a time uh, before television, before uh, you know, there were some telephones, but nevertheless, uh, there wasn't a lot of that communication for, for a number of people. Korea, that period's always kind of been interesting to me because I had relatives who fought in the uh, Korean conflict, and uh, one particularly was a Marine who was in the middle of some of it. Uh, and so that that's always kind of stayed with me. The time of the caretaker is, is set right before you were actually born. I wondered, writing about a time that is kind of like your near past or just before you, whether that was more difficult or easier than, say, writing about the Great Depression. It it wasn't as difficult because I I didn't have to go back as far. I mean, a number of the advertisements, you know, some of the things that were there in 1951 were, were things I saw when I was growing up. So that that wasn't difficult. And that's always kind of fun to go back. And the novel set on my grandmother's farm, which was uh, between Blowing Rock and Boone. So I was using a, a, a landscape that actually I'd been I'd spent a good bit of my uh, writing career wanting to write a novel about, and I'd never been able to until this one. It somehow fit. And uh, interestingly, I think when you read the book, is that that my grandmother's farm, uh, which is still in the family, I, I actually I own the land nearest the cemetery. There is a cemetery right above it. So, you know, even that part kind of uh, came from uh, just a desire to write a book about that place and, and to preserve it in memory, uh, because certainly it's changed. Some of the land has been sold off of the original farm. As an Appalachian writer and a writer who writes about Appalachia, what do people outside of Appalachia maybe get wrong about the people of Appalachia? I think what the best writing about the region does, and, and the writers I certainly admire the most, uh, I think uh, you hope that while you're showing a, a perhaps a cult, you know, there's certain cultural aspects of the region I grew up with, I know, and uh, the music and, and, and certain things and uh, the landscape. But I would like to think that... Uh, you know, we're like other people. Uh, I think, you know, there certainly have been situations because of the history of the place and, and that so much has been taken away uh, of the wealth at times that that certainly has had an impact. I, I One, one thing I kind of wanted to do in this book, I, I dealt more with a small town, Appalachia, and, and even in the past. And I think sometimes everybody forgets that, you know, not everybody was living in a cabin or whatever in 1951. Um, including my, my family. I guess just the hope that while I'm revealing something about the culture, uh, that I'm also reminding where humanity, uh, I think the goal, I think always is that you don't want to sentimentalize the people. You don't want to demonize them because to me, sentimentalizing, uh, a group of people in, in a novel is, in many ways, just as bad because either way, you're, you're just simply denying their humanity. That was Appalachian author Ron Rash speaking with Bill Lynch. You can hear the rest of that interview and more on Inside Appalachia, Sunday mornings at 7 and Sunday evenings at 6 on West Virginia Public Broadcasting.
This week's premier broadcast of Mountain Stage features the 2022 NPR Tiny Desk Concert winner, Elisa Amador. As a bilingual singer and songwriter, Amador commands the audience with her soulful voice and mixture of rock, jazz, funk, and alternative folk that is wrapped with the Latin music she grew up with. We listened to her performance of Slow Down. It's the second track on Amador's EP, Narratives. Morning comes, I make the bed I wish it wouldn't end. Every morning is a battle I can't seem to win. Morning comes and I'm afraid of what's in store for me. Will it be another day of running round like everything is gone? If I write it in a song, will it slow down? Morning comes, I make the bed, I take a look around. Every morning brings a question I can't live without. Oh, morning comes and I'm afraid of what's in store for me. Will it be another day of running round pretending all is fine? When the thought won't leave my mind, can it slow down? Oh. Another day that I get lost in lists of what to do Running away, I'm at a loss of what to say to you Then another night, I give up the fight Will it be alright? Morning comes, I make the bed I wish it wouldn't end Every morning is a battle I can't seem to win Oh, morning comes and I'm afraid of what's in store for me Will it be another day of running round like everything is gone? If I write it in a song, will it slow down? That was Elisa Amador performing Slow Down on the Mountain Stage. To hear the full performance, tune in Saturdays at 6 and Sundays at noon right here on West Virginia Public Broadcasting. West Virginia Morning is a production of West Virginia Public Broadcasting, which is solely responsible for its content. You can keep up with the latest West Virginia news throughout the day on our website, wvpublic.org. Support for our news bureaus comes from Shepherd University. Our Appalachia Health News Project is made possible with support from CAMC and Marshall Health.
West Virginia Morning is produced with help from Bill Lynch, Brianna Heaney, Caroline McGregor, Chris Schultz, Curtis Tate, Emily Rice, Eric Douglas, Liz McCormick, and Randy Yowie. Caroline McGregor is our assistant news director, and she produced today's show. I'm your host, Teresa Wills. This is West Virginia Morning.